the High Five Podcast with Darren and Duncan. I'm Duncan. I'm Darren. And today we've got a great episode for you, one we've been looking forward to for a little while. Um, we are up on our one-year anniversary of doing this podcast. So, you know, we're just a couple sentimental chaps, and we just felt like um, looking back a little bit, uh, sharing some never-before-released uh, sound with you and uh, talking a little bit about the story, how this came about, and uh, where we are thinking about going and that kind of thing. Um, but it'll be a typical full episode, full of questions and and chatter as well. Um, so uh, I guess without further ado, let's start into the what's been going on with you lately. And I ask this being... Sit, like, let's see. I'm, <laughs> I'm next to a pile of boxes <laughs> from the floor to the ceiling. It's literally 10 inches below the ceiling is where this stack <laughs> of giant boxes in your kitchen stops. And those used to have diffusers in them, right? So those must have yeah. been so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big shipment. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I received the ATS Acoustics. Uh, shipment, which is a full um, rune treatment setup that I that I bought from atacoustics.com and uh, full of a lot of diffusion, um, QRD, which are um, quadratic uh, residue diffusers, and uh, and then also some absorption panels as well that I'm going to be placing behind the speakers, uh, kind of in, in between the speakers, um, for the most part. Um, that's mainly because I have, um, my back wall is not, uh, or my speakers aren't that far off the back wall and the back wall is, uh, is almost all glass. Right. So I, I just need, I need some absorption there. Um, but the rest of the room is going to be mainly diffused, but, uh, besides like right behind my listening position that is going to have some more absorption. Um, so that came in and so the house has turned into a little bit of a, of a maze, (laughs) um, where there's like certain pathways to get the things and, and, uh, there was a brief moment of panic in your eyes when I asked to have a glass for water. And you were like, oh boy. Yeah, you read that, gonna, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, how, how difficult is that going to be? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the situation in the house. Um, the, so, the, the main listing room, which is the room with the um, vaulted ceiling, uh, that room is right now a construction zone where uh, I have a corner set up with a bunch of diffusion panels for measuring the Dunlavy speakers. Yeah, you have your big your Dayton audio measurements uh, device and and microphone stuff set up. In yep. There. And so Chris and I, Chris Brunhaver, who's the senior loudspeaker designer at PS Audio, um, he was over yesterday and we were taking some measurements of the Dunlavy speakers to characterize uh, the, uh, curves on each driver, the, 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 um, profiles. Yes. Yeah, so you've got two projects going on at the same time right now in that room. At least three, two, three, I was going to three see. room, room treatment, yeah. subwoofers and oh, subwoofers. This, cause you got the subwoofer cab out there, uh, that just dried and it needs to be primed and painted and then yeah, yeah, sanded and then primed. Man. And, and so, yeah, I'm, you know, it's three projects in that room, uh, at the same, at the same time. 
Um, but you know, this is what we like to do and, and, uh, is what I do for a living, but I do enjoy doing, you know, having DIY projects, which is the reason why, um, I decided, uh, what was it like a week and a half ago to, 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 um, recondition the Dunlavies and go from their original drivers to state of their art, uh, SB acoustics, tech stream drivers well so anyone who who uh didn't catch that episode darren blue is tweeters uh both a, a, tweeters? Twe- a tweeter one tweeter. No, no, and a, a uh that was the final uh push over the edge for him to open the back and look at the crossover uh try to understand it mm-hmm. um put it out on paper and wrap your head around it wrap your head around the whole design it's been itching at us because we love these speakers so much and they have such a unique thing that they do that you don't find elsewhere so you right. want to know like how you know and and it turns out you know the the assumptions are true that John Dunlavy was an amazing crossover artist you know really mm-hmm. kind of pulling strings here and there and yeah, yeah. working a whole system together with drivers and and interesting crossover things all working together. It's not, it's, it's anything but traditional. And so, you know, these are 30 year old speakers. And so in the meantime, all this advancement has happened with driver design, Mm -hmm. material science, you know, you've got the graphene stuff, you've got Kevlar carbon, all these composites and and being the, the latest. And I believe I may be incorrect by this. Um, but, uh, the I believe it it was uh, created originally for the car industry um, mm. as a as as an advanced carbon fiber option. Gotcha. Um, uh, I could be wrong as the fact that it originated for that reason, but it's being used heavily in the car I was industry. Say, it'd make a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Um, and so it's an advanced carbon fiber composite, the the latest and greatest um, carbon fiber composite. Yeah, interesting and, uh, damping, self-damping qualities yes, to it that yes. cause the breakups to be, to be benign. really yeah. not bad. So, um, yeah, it's uh, but but at the same time, it's incredibly light and stiff. Yes. So it's you know, so rigid. yeah, you're yeah. basically saying, okay, now I've wrapped my head around this uh, classic design, classic speaker design. Um, but yeah, you and Chris, of course, just like, what would it sound like if we had SB Acoustics texturing drivers? In yeah, there? and of course, the crossover is going to have to be completely redesigned. I'm keeping the the woofers, the 10-inch uh, ScanSpeak woofers. They're actually excellent drivers and are still sold today and, well, you and got to perform really perform really well oh yeah you and you say they're actually uh pricey today because they're just solid drivers and, and they're, they're solid drivers and there's and a market for them people are trying to replace replace old drivers, replace yeah. old drivers and yeah or they don't stand up to the state of the art in woofer technology today but they are no slouches too so and because they are the perfect match with the cabinet we just didn't want to dip into having to deal with the the cabinet response because it's a sealed enclosure and yeah. so you know, John absolutely nailed that. Fairly knew, important. And the cabinet the, was, yeah. the cabinet volume was constructed yeah, specifically. Uh, for, specifically for for that. So, um, you know, what's interesting is you, you went about this the perfect way, which is that you first answered the why. So then you could, then you could use his philosophy with new, with new materials. New, new materials. So what that translates to is more of like a Richard Vanderstein approach yeah. where he's using drivers that are just silly good state of the art 
and and then you know implementing them in a first order fashion and that's really what you want in in a first order design is you want drivers that are just they're silly good on the low end of their performance frequency wise and on the high end right because then you're because you're dealing with very shallow slopes so first order crossovers only attenuate at six db per an octave so uh, that that's uh changing just to a second where you get 12 db per an octave is a big deal on uh, the stress of the driver so um you know so for those that are uh surprised that my tweeter blew um it's uh it's it's actually not that surprising given uh the frequencies that are hitting the tweeter uh, and probably stress over uh, that, you know, 20 plus years of that. Lots of time. Yeah. Where you start to, um, that tweeter can heat up and you can, um, the enamel on the coil starts to melt and deform. And so, uh, the tweeter probably wasn't even performing like the same. You know, Um, I think that's what happened with mine was that something on the voice coil came loose, like some enamel started chipping off or something like that. Yep. So it might have dried out over time with a lot of heat over years. So they're still fairly active at 800 hertz, the tweeters. That's just amazing. So, and they're, they're self-resonance. We should is, see the re- the, the resonance because I thought... It's, it's 950. Oh, I, was, I thought it was below 1,000. Okay, 950. 950, which is, which is not very low in today's world. No, but what yeah. you're telling us is that he's... There's operating below below the resonance of the tweeter exactly and that's what i mean by the design is not textbook because if you open a text a loudspeaker design textbook they'll say stay away from the self-resonance of the tweeter like you want to be you want to have uh some good attenuation by the time you get to the self-resonance of it i wonder if he listened to that so, and uh decided that it needed more you know lower treble well um i think it's just uh it, I think it's a part of the st- the crossover style. It seems that he shelves the crossovers and then rolls them off. Yeah. And I don't know the sonic advantage, but I think he knew something about how to crossover and overlap drivers. Yeah. When um, you think about like aggressively overlapping drivers and, and allowing them to work together on a range of frequencies, that's a yeah. scary proposition when you're trying to do it right. So he he does on the tweeter he has he's doing three things in the crossover on the tweeter, and so um, the first thing which is the obvious thing and I'll I'll explain it for those that are not not familiar with crossover design, what you're gonna want is a high pass filter on your tweeter because you want to pass high frequencies and you want to roll off the low frequencies, and so in order to do that what you usually do and and what's uh the, what's uh, required as far as a, a minimum crossover would be just a single capacitor in series with the signal going to that tweeter. That would, that would cause a, a first order, a high pass filter and that the value of that tweeter interacting with the impedance of the tweeter would, uh, would actually cause the, the filter itself and, and, and show you the, the, um, cutoff frequency and, and, or provide the, 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 the cutoff frequency. So yeah, it's a simple slope because it's one device and so yep. there's only one roll. Yep. And so you just have a single pole in it. And, uh, so, uh, the, the downside to that is that you, um, that you're now passing a lot of low frequency to, to the tweeter. 
and tweeters do not like low frequency and you can fry tweeters very easily by hitting them at, uh, with low frequencies. And that's why even when we test tweeters, a lot of times we put capacitors, just do a single sweep on a tweeter with no crossover. Yeah. You still want to protect the tweeter from hitting it with, you know, 400 Hertz or 500 Hertz. It still can be damaging to a tweeter. So, um, so that's the first thing that he did is just implement a high pass filter. Second thing he did is he notched the tweeter at its self resonance. Okay, this is a very uh, this is a very smart move. Um, uh, something I don't see in a lot of crossovers. Um, so this one is a parallel notch uh, using an L- LCR notch, where he notches at, at nine fifty and. They also allowed um, an area where in the factory they would actually tune that notch for that specific uh, self-resonance of the actual specific tweeter that they're putting in that loudspeaker. So if it's 956 on this on this uh on this one tweeter that they have in the they adjust that notch for 956. Crazy at the price because only some of the world's most expensive speakers are are treated like that nowadays. Yeah, and 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 so this is a reason why he could get away with um, inexpensive drivers and make them sound really great. Yeah, and I think it's um, you know in the audiophile world, I I I believe that Dunlavy has been kind of overlooked. Yeah, um, they they don't look they certainly don't look fancy. Uh, there's, no. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. They, 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 they don't look like a, you know, Focal loudspeaker and they're, they're not flashy and, and have car paint jobs. That's for sure. But, um, the design of them is incredible. And the guy was, the guy knew what he was doing. And in my opinion was ahead of the times, uh, where even still there's a lot of manufacturers that are, I think behind where he was in the late nineties. Hmm. Um, so so uh, that was that was the second thing he did, and then the third thing he did was he he actually uh, have has a uh, a zero put into the crossover as well, and this is something that I see a lot in in his crossovers is that where he he places a zero, and what a zero does, what that means, is that at some uh, frequency the reactance starts to become fully real which means it becomes purely resistive like it's like a resistor but only during that frequency right that's what a zero is so so what it does is in other words what more people are familiar with is it's a shelving filter so it shelves it where it's flat for a little bit so Mm. it's attenuating and then oh all of a sudden it's flat and then it starts attenuating again that's a shelf Mm -hmm. and so that's actually where you put in a zero like for instance the raaa curve has a zero at 500 hertz that's where it shelves in the center around 1k um you you see like this the shelving nature to it and then it starts to roll off again into a pole where it's it's uh going down to um at at 2150 there's there's a pull um so so he does this in that in that tweeter and he he shelves the tweeter which means that even though the 3 db down point the cutoff frequency on the high pass is at five kilohertz 
it still has a lot of output at 800, at 800 hertz. That's... And so that's just, I just want to explain that because some people are kind of, would be like, why the hell are you frying tweeters? That's not something, I mean, it's still good quality tweeter. You shouldn't be frying it. Well, unfortunately in first order designs, this is what you get yourself into. Hey, and man, the way he did it, it was to, with the driver he chose, mm-hmm. it, it lasted for 30 years. In it bo- did. In it did. both of our speakers. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, what I can only imagine is that there are tons of Dunlavies sitting around with blown tweeters. Yeah. Um, so, they you know, I, I just want to... Super quickly because there's yeah. a drop-in replacement available. There's yeah. a drop-in replacement available. Yeah. And it is the same model tweeter. It's probably a better version of the same model. I believe the... Um, the construction. Do you remember whether it's metal? The the uh, bezel on your tweeter is metal or is it plastic still? It's. Did they keep it the same? I, I, I some remember. reason I remember metal on yours. I remember metal. But mine uh, is the one that I pulled out is straight plastic and like you know has a really teeny plastic cheap. Did yours sound on and the mine have different tweeters? Is a good question. I do. Know I believe. I believe the three and the four are the same. Yeah, I thought there was. The I, it's the same model. The twenty seven is the replacement. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, so I don't remember. I don't um, remember. I just know, popped them in. So I, uh, I just uh, we're going to share some information on. Oh yeah, this this, this whole project yeah. as well as some information on the Dunlavy speakers. Uh, I have the crossover schematic for the SC4s. I want to supply that eventually. Perhaps we'll get the crossover schematic of your three. threes. Yeah, and so just supplying information and creating a a, a, a community where. Yeah. You can service these loudspeakers and keep them up to par because the truth is, is if you go out there and you find, you know, a pair of SC3s for 1200 bucks or, or, or a thousand bucks and, you know, they're a little beat up and maybe the tweeters uh, has some, some buzzing going on in it, which is, you know, it's, it's common. That's what happened with yours and uh, that you can take these things back up to full factory spec on them. Um, you don't need to recap them. They they all have film caps in them that that don't degrade. Very high quality um, French capacitors. Uh, Man, I've opened a lot of vintage speakers, and it's it can be just a nightmare in terms of what time has done. But the yeah. fact that you and I both got pairs that never left Colorado, I think, helps a lot. Um, we did see yeah, they never in, been shipped. Yeah. Uh, uh, they've never been shipped. Yeah. Uh, we saw in, in the wiring, um, that you guys were looking at that there is a, a little bit of oxidation going on in the, in the jackets, these white wires. And when you cut a little them, bit of an understatement, <laughs> when you cut them and you pull the conductor out, the inside is just, it's green. just green. And so, you know, that's, you know, that would be so much worse if these were in Florida or if these were in Boston or somewhere. You Great know. point. So, Humid environment. Yep. Yeah. So yep. we, we really, lucked out i think in that regard but it's it's shown us um you know so there are some considerations to be had like like how big of a project it's going to be but pulling mm-hmm. those crossovers it's like they're brand spanking new when you pull them out it's yeah like, and it's easy to access gorgeous. the crossover and all that too all so stolen stuff um, yeah except and, the dayton resistors so so i don't know i don't believe that they really have a a huge cult following in the audiophile community. It's so little. it's there. But. So uh, we, we may, we may start something. We're trying uh, to but, create yeah, it. But <laughs> the prices might start going up yeah, on we've, that. We've got ours. We're fine. Um, <laughs> you guys can get yours. Um, so anyways, I'm going to keep you up That's to date exciting. on this, on this uh, redesign 
of of the SC4 loudspeaker. Um, and so that's what's going on with me. I've also been tweaking. In the other room, I have the Sasha set up, the Wilson Sasha set up. And I've been really kind of trying to still working on the locations of them and dialing that in and doing a lot of cable comparisons uh, that are just uh, really interesting comparisons uh, and, and also upgrades in that, in that system. But I'm really enjoying the system right now and that, and that that's tying me over while my main room is, is completely down. Yeah. I'm glad you have something. So, yep. That's great. So uh, what about, what about you? What's been going on with me this week? Um, I have, well, I did a couple things, uh, recently just doing a lot of listening, but I, uh, borrowed a cable from work to listen to a power cable. I'm a Duncan. I'm a testing technician at the music room, which is uh, the world's largest reseller of hi-fi audio gear. And the last several years I've tested thousands of pieces of amazing hi-fi audio gear. And I, I, um, get a chances to take stuff home and listen to it. And I've mentioned, uh, folks, listeners to the podcast know I'm, uh, been fine tuning this design of a power cable, um, for myself based on, um, a DIY project that's out there online. And, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time and money just doing, uh, every combination of material type and, and very small changes in spacing. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really paid off. I found, um, a cable that, uh, I think kind of will typify the house sound of this, of this cable. And then, um, going forward, going to try to do, you know, keep going with the R and D process, um, and see how, how good of a cable I can make with this type of architecture, et cetera. And then, um, make a lower cost version, but that's just all been forefront with me because, um, I really started in earnest, um, getting supplies to start making some cables. So we've talked about this. Um, we did some listening last night in your system, but uh, things are moving in that in that regard. So the other day I had you know something like five hundred dollars worth of special long, super long uh, single crystal OCC copper mm. arrive, and you're, nice. you're holding it and you're like, boy, that's not much <laughs> wire for five hundred dollars. Um, <clears throat> but. Uh, yeah, so uh very exciting. Uh connect- connectors are all coming in, so I'm I'm coming through my last decisions to make. Um mm-hmm. I've decided to have the outer jacket be natural cotton because it has a better dielectric than Teflon and it's um vibration r- resistant, you know. Yeah. Um but then the thought is, well, you know, do I want something underneath that for strength? And uh and I found um, this tech tech flex, uh, called flexo PFA and PFA is a fluoropolymer and it's just like, uh, you know, uh, PTFE and that kind of thing. It's a type of, okay. Uh, Teflon, uh, another uh-huh. name of it is Teflon PFA uh-huh. has great, great characteristics. It's got super low coefficient of friction, just like Teflon. It's got great bending, um, rebending kind of durability. Um, and the dielectric constant is two. So that's really cool, just like Teflon's. Too. So, so it's another kind of uh, patented material. Yeah, right? but, but yeah. it's you know it's it's kind of hard to find pure Teflon TechFlex in the sizes that you want, um, but you can get this stuff. It's called Flexo PFA. So I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, the question is whether or not 
whenever you introduce a new material outside of a cable, the magnetic and electrical fields are going to pass right through that. So you are introducing something into the sound, the sound of it. So I'm, I'm just not sure. Um, so I'm going to make some cables with the, uh, the cotton. I've never done that before, but I've, I've decided that's what I want to do. And then we'll see how durable that is. And I'll go from there. I might add some PFA underneath. I'm also, um, I don't know if I've ever like encouraged you on a modification because you know, uh, you already have so much on your plate that I, I'm always kind of like, Oh no, I don't want to, you know, uh, encourage even more, uh, tweaking, but Taylor, but I, I am, um, I am encouraging one tweak, and that is is a, a particular resistor in your SC3s that I think yeah. might really be worth going to uh, dual-in resistor. Oh, in. so, Darren, I mean, ta- it, that's a done deal in my brain. Like, yeah. Like, it's when you start talking about the crossover, and we're looking at places where you can really affect the sound, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're constantly pointing this one out. It's just a done deal. I'm going to... I probably should have ordered them already, but... Anyway, I'm going to do that for sure. And I've also mentioned that I'm I'm interested in maybe doing a rewire um, as my first tepid steps into this process where I don't want to mess up a good thing yet. Yeah. But, but uh, I don't know. But but you're, you saw, like just this morning, you saw the wire in the Dunlop. Instantly and, and decided I'm going like, to rewire You're this. like, this is unacceptable. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So lots of cool, exciting things going on. Uh, projects over at my place too. Also, um, oh, so I, I mentioned, I started this by mentioning I borrowed this cable. And so um, I'm trying to figure out where to price my cable. And... Um, a lot of that is just listening to a lot of different brands cables and yeah. figure out where it kind of fits, mm-hmm. decide if you want to be a kind of a value. And so try to like go on the low side of where mm-hmm. it sounds. And so that's kind of my inclination is that I want to go on the low side mm-hmm. of where it sounds. But the weird thing about the cable business is if you price something too low, people with really great systems that could get maybe the boat, the most out of it wouldn't give it would overlook it. Yeah. They won't even consider no, it because they they're kind of like, I'm looking for a, a cable in this yeah, price range. I, I'm or in the 3000 yeah. for two meter type of range. And oh, that's and true. That's yeah. all I'm paying attention to. So, yeah. um, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, but I want this cable to get listened to. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And at the same time, you want it to be affordable to the point where people who don't have megabit buck systems can experience what a really, really great power cable can bring to the table. Well, and you know, what's fun so about that is that I've already uh, done all that R and D. So all of my cables at home are, um, using, you know, different materials that I can save money by not getting these crazy, rhodium carbon connect, uh, connectors and mm-hmm. I can go down, um, to something different. And so uh, I have a whole bunch of examples of that, and I have done those demos. It's very, very stark from stock to just my lower versions. So, yeah, yeah so there's going to be all that stuff, but, um, you have to start one thing at a time. I think, I mean, I, there's this, my wife has an MBA and she was talking about something called a minimum viable product mm-hmm. where, um, mm-hmm. A lot of people flounder worrying about putting out the most perfect thing right away or having everything be complete, you know, where it's more important if you've got a great product uh, to enter the market and just get started. Um, and so that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I've got got a whole bunch of stuff on the way, but, you know, so much work ahead, uh, website and name. I'm still still waffling about 
uh, the name, but that's, you want to just pick something that'll be memorable and it's, um, it's not as important as what the, is the design of the cable and what it sounds like. And we always have fun it. when we're picking names cause we, we've had to pick names for so many things and Duncan and I used to run a recording project called invisible audience for the Colorado music festival. And I just remember the days of going, um, you know, going over names. I mean, we hundreds of different names mm-hmm. for it. And and it's just to the point where maybe like 30 of those hundreds of names are just, jo- we're just joking. You know? Well, Invisible was, Audience was, was because there was supposed to be a ghost in this uh, Lutheran chapel that we were doing these concerts and recordings that's right. in. Yeah, they brought a shaman in, actually. They brought a shaman yeah. to, to like ward <laughs> off the spirit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's where that came from. Yeah, because yeah. it was a... Yeah, the thought is like, what do they mean by invisible audience? That, that's what we mean. There's a freaking ghost in the we, corner. We bring music, music where audiences don't want to come to. That's yeah. it. No. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. But um, uh, but yeah, yeah, we've got lots of cool names that, that we've thrown around, and most of them just hilarious. And yeah. Not, not, yeah, anyway. it's not, not serious. You know, we just, we like to have fun. And, and, and that's what this podcast really is, is about in the end. It's, it's fun for us and hopefully it's fun for you to listen to and, and, uh, and for us to document our audio journeys and, uh, and our passion for audio. Yeah. And so, uh, we're going to be talking more about that in our, in the topic today about how we, how we started this and, and give some outtakes of, of, uh, of the first ever, the first recording that we ever did for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the cool stuff to come. Uh, um, one more thing with me, I replaced, my rectifier tube on my amp and it was just okay so you didn't do that before i assume you you Uh, had kept the same one but you replaced the power output tubes and yes uh i had used the strongest power output tube that i had before Mm -hmm. in the rectifier spot Mm -hmm. uh and then on the new tubes in the output so yeah and, and when i'm looking at it when we were talking to a guy uh explaining like how how can you kind of eyeball a little bit of tube strength and the answer is you can't always really but mm-hmm. yeah you can you can eyeball wear and and some life stuff so one of the things that you can do is these are svetlana 6550 tubes if you look underneath uh under underneath the top of the tube so you're you're looking up into the top where you see that reflective metal flash, the getter flash. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually see that there are two circular getters at the top of this Svetlana tube. And beyond that, on the glass, you can see two circles where where it, the getters have been working like a little bit, right? There's enough time on this tube that the getters have seen opportunity to neutralize like a, a bunch of times to the point where you're starting to see in that flash material just above the getters, these faint circles, right? Hmm. And so I'm looking at these two because I have two Svetlana 6550s and I brought one that, that uh, tests really strong. And I and so the new one ended up having less of, of a... Of you couldn't see those circles above the getters, so my indication to myself is okay. This is a fresher tube. Well, it like I said, it tested. I tested it, and it was really strong with no leakage. Um, so I popped it into the rectifier position, and yeah, the just just uh, everything. It was really subtle, but it was just like an energy that that mm-hmm. came to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably the output impedance of the of the regulator or something like that. That's you know, it's now yeah. lower and 
Yeah. Um, it was awesome. But uh, yeah, that's some really uh, great information on how to spot um, it wasn't too, a bad too rectifier. It didn't break. It was yeah. just like could have been better. And there well, you that's, go. That's that's, that's tube, tube replacement, ownership. right? Yeah, like yeah. a lot of uh, tubes are so hardy, and the things that you can do to tubes electrically would just blow semiconductors to smithereens. Yeah. Um, I remember like one of my first projects. No, it probably was my first DIY project, or at least sizable one. I had um, I built a tube preamplifier with a two seventy four B rectifier in it. Um, somewhat overkill for. Uh, preamp but um i i had wired it up all wrong like and i couldn't have gotten it uh you know more incorrect as far as the way i wired it up and i did not blow the tube or anything like that you know but oh, yeah so with, with op amps you know you don't you don't mess up any other configuration and it's no longer an op amp <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so anyways uh cool. that's all that's up with me Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, well, let's get to some questions. Let's get into some questions. So today we've got two things for you. We've got a nice lengthy question from um, Jason Brown, and we've got an audio tip from a coworker of mine, which I teased last week and forgot to <laughs> forgot to mention. So I actually have it right here. Um, let's start with Jason's question. This is very great. Great email from Jason. I'm going to try to um, paraphrase some of it. Um, but Jason's given us background. Um, he's a product manager at Spotify, which is it's always great to be in a musical business if you mm-hmm. really have a passion for music. Um, yep. Uh, you know, I, I pinch myself every day um, to <laughs> listen to cool music all the time. Um, but he's basically uh, given us a little bit of his audio journey, starting from uh, Meridian uh, speakers, which if you can get that all set up and working, Meridian speakers are, are fun. They sound great. They are just, uh, they can be difficult to, to get set up. Um, but he's talking about his influences. And and so uh, his final system here, where he is right now, is uh, Wilson Benesh uh, speakers on, on stands, stand mounts. Um, two Rel T7i subs and uh, Townsend super tweeters. Uh, these little super tweeters on top of the speakers. Um, then he's got the the new prime mono amps. Those are um, they're class D, but they call them something else like modulated class A or something. I don't know, but it's class D and they're awesome. I've I've tested those before. I can't remember the the model exactly, but um, very cool things. An audio GD preamp. Uh, audio gd uh, r2r ladder deck um magna hi-fi uh, streamer and uh, mini dsp processor um he talks about going through uh direct live calibration and um anyway all kinds of stuff a really cool system um and then sends us some pictures where we can see actually a lot of room treatment in here so it's very serious serious setup that jason is is uh dealing with uh, his question is about power. And so let's see. Let me just start reading here. After this long introduction, my question is, where should I invest to upgrade my power further? It's not practical to try these approaches before I buy. So I'd enlist your passion and knowledge to identify which you would favor. And and that's that's a really good point. You know, the upending of a whole system to approach the power 
from a perspective of not exactly knowing what it's going to do or if it's going to be the mm-hmm. right thing, it's, it's, it's pretty intimidating. It is um, until you start hearing what it can bring to the table. Right. And then it's, and then it's enticing and then it's all yeah, you think about. It's intoxicating. And then you're, you're like, I have to, I have to do things here. Yeah. And it's like one of my favorite things to tweet. It's turned really quickly into mine too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So he has three options uh, that he's thinking about. Number one, Christian Punter of HiFiAdvice.com uh, recommends a reasonably cost-effective custom power cable and simple power, simple power distribution approach. Um, okay, his idea here is Oyide IEC connector, Belden 19364 cable, and uh, Balls Shuko connectors. Okay. Um, then he says an eight, eight-way distribution conditioner. Uh, Magna HiFi makes it for, I think it was like 259 euros or something like that. Um, should we talk about each and then, no, let's, I'll read all three and then we'll, we'll go back to them. Uh, the second option, uh, he's thinking about is, or I could keep my current UK power cables and Nordost Cubase mains distribution. So he, he has a Nordost Cubase mains distributor. So that's a, uh, a strip there. Um, and he says in further invest in more secondhand Nordost Cubase products, like, a uh, conditioner power block and grounding units. We also saw, um, resonators and, um, let's see, what was this line harmonizers and load resonating coils in the Cubase series. So a whole bunch of products that are all focused on power from Nordost, um, fairly pricey. I'd say the, the distributor, you know, you're looking at thousands, but the, um, some of these little things like the load coil and the line harmonizer, they're about 300 bucks. Um, okay. Or the third option is I could keep my U- current UK power cables and invest in a secondhand power regenerator, a PS audio P10 or a pure power plus. Um, the P10s don't come up very often though, particularly with UK sockets. Sadly, wasn't there a third company that does power regeneration? Um, anyway, uh, those are his three three proposed options a b and c let's start with a um and i guess i'll start here um just looking at the the approach it it seems to give a nod to what we're doing here but seems to carry a lot of this oh that's good enough kind of uh approach where you're thinking oh, you don't need more than that um because I'm looking at the the Belden cable and it's it's fine. It's three stranded conductors and it's got a, a, a couple of ropes of filling and then one like ground um, wire. It doesn't. I could be wrong, but I didn't think that I saw that it was heavily shielded. But it's got that that shield wire uh, that's not part of the ground. I'm sure it's only connected on one side, so it can um, shunt RF, but you know, there's nothing science wise that makes this that much different from, uh, from a stock cable. Mm -hmm. So then you're probably looking at material wise, um, which we know is it's hard. Science hasn't fully explained or in maybe in an easy way that we can banter about what scientifically the, the sound of silver is right. Or, you know, so, so there are, 
changes that you can, you know, bring about with, with better or different conductors. But I look at the Belden and, uh, there's nothing about the conductors. They are, uh, rock hoppers, what they're called. So what kind of copper What's what's yeah. the grain? How is, is it, it annealed? How is it, how is it pulled through the dyes? So what, is it OFC? What's the or, crystals? Yeah. What's the percentage of oxygen freeness, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, we've said in the past that it's a little, you know, geometry is more important with cables and you can, you can observe crazy geometries in this industry. Yeah. Um, let's take your dragon for example if you ever look at an AudiQuest dragon it's these three loosely braided things well when they loosely braid and separate all these conductors they're lowering capacitance quite a bit mm-hmm. you know it's it's good science so uh there's there's science and then there's like a kind of class too where it's the geometry is literally the core the, of yeah the and, design. He, and he's got just tons yeah. of really small conductors arranged in a very specific way mm-hmm. that makes it a hard to f- make and b like s- sound awesome, you know? So yeah, we, we mentioned product. that kind of class, uh, multiple times. And, and for those people that might be a little bit skeptical about cables, um, I highly recommend, uh, looking up, uh, iconoclast and, uh, finding some of the research papers done on that. If you want to know more about pure science, uh, you know, no, uh, uh, messing around. No, it's, uh, there's a geyser of information. Just it's, wait. it's the real deal. And they, they explain, um, uh, it, they explain the, the deep science into these constructions and why, why it makes a superior cable. But you go across the, the an industry and you look at Shunyata and they're using helix architecture. Other people are using helix architecture. So there's, there's, there's some helical, you know, arrangements that are different than just three wires that are loosely twisted and covered in a PVC jacket. Um, you go to Nordos, like you talk about Nordos as, you know, these, these, uh, arrays, these flat ribbons are of, of individually of individual ribbons that are spiraled. Like it's crazy that, that there's a lot of science and, yeah, the 19364 cable will be really durable and it'll be good and probably a, a bit of an upgrade over a, a stock. But honestly, most of what you're going to get in terms of upgrade over a stock is going to be from those connectors, not from that cable. And yep. the connectors don't really excite me either. So, it, yeah, I think we're going to move on from option A. Um, do you have any more thoughts than what I just prattled up i think you you kind of uh, reflected what i my thoughts yeah those are essentially my thoughts on it yeah well bring us into b because i need to dry up this uh yeah so b is um that he could keep his current uh uk power cables and uh, nordas uh q-based mains uh, distribution and further invest in the second hand nordas q-based products yeah. um yeah, I'm. I don't have any experience with the Nordos Cubase yeah. products. What's uh, What's your experience? Yeah, I have Did some. You have um, any? Well, you know, fit and finish is really nice, and so uh, with something that's going to go on the ground, maybe behind the system or or somewhere. We've talked about this before, where you just like um, there are. You got to look at your own priorities because there are there's a lot to be said about something looking really nice and being functionally really good. Um, because there brings this harmonious kind of like when you see it, you you're happy kind of thing. 
Um, but then there's yeah. also the perspective of like, well, how much money did they spend on that machining mm-hmm. and of, of that chassis? And is there, uh, did they put some good stuff inside? What you're saying is that there's a part of this product that's luxury. It's a, it's, it's really yeah, luxury. It, yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so it's, I'm not saying anything about the functionality. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just remarking about when I encounter the Nordos Cubase stuff, I'm just like, whoa, that's, okay. yeah, that's it's, nice. It's bling. Yeah, yeah. There's some bling there's aspect some bling on it. it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, then I look at it and say, okay, well, this is a company that has a great history in the industry, great reputation. They do a lot of, uh, pretty extensive science. They have very innovative approaches. They have some patents. And so it's like, for them to come out with a whole line of stuff that's a bunch of snake oil is not in character and it's, you know, overcharging or whatever is not really in character for them. So in my experience, I, you know, I've tested a few of these things, but not in a, you know, a really dialed in system. So I, I can't comment on that, but I can comment on, um, it's, it's great to see a company focus on this aspect um, and so when somebody, when a company with that prestige does focus on this aspect, I'm paying attention and, and I'm, I'm, um, my interest is peaked. Let's just say that I, I'm liking option B right now, but I, I wanted to start by mentioning that it felt like a luxury product because that is an element of this. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some money spent if you're going to go with option B. Now, what's interesting is that option C is, adding a power generator at some point. And so, you know, it, it, it's, this is very common, the, the situation where people talk about, uh, you know, power conditioners and then they talk about re- regenerators. Yeah. And it's kind of like saying that uh, in a way it's like, oh, I don't know whether to get a CD player or a turntable. Because you know they're completely different components. Yeah. You know they don't attack the same problem, and the regenerate. I'm sorry. The the conditioners actually make um, what the regenerators do so well even worse than what's coming out of your socket. So they in- increase the impedance. Uh, in between, that's what a filter does. Is it oh, increases impedance. Okay, I was confused for so, a second, but yeah, in in my mind, I think of the the goal of the regenerators to lower impedance. Yeah, output impedance. The, the what's the, the goal, goal of a filter? Of a filter is to increase impedance and to and to resistively detract from from what's there in yeah. in specific ways. Take out all the bad stuff, but yeah, but there's no way that oh oh. But you're saying the way that they do that is by increasing impedance. And that's well, that's, that's what a filter out. is. That's what a filter is. <laughs> yeah. So it's the opposite of a regenerator. It's great. You know, it's, so it's, it's not even like remotely the same. seconds sometimes it, to get around to what Darren's saying. But yeah. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's not even remotely the same thing. It's, it's completely different. Um, you know, so, they're, they're different tools for different jobs. Yes. Yeah. I, and I agree. I, and by this statement, I'm not saying that power conditioning is worthless or something like that. I'm just saying that they're completely different devices that can't even be compared. You know, what's um, kind of fun, though, is, is our experiences mixing them together. And I don't know how much experience you have of of playing around with a conditioner before the thing or a conditioner after the thing, but I do. I, I have some, and and a conditioner after the regen is a no no. Yeah, um, and that comes from someone who knows the circuits very well. What's in the in the regen? You do not want to put a conditioner after it. And let's just say, so, let's just put this out there: if that contradicts something that's been said before about this, you can just 
this this is the truth actually i mean it, you're listening to it from the the engineer you know so it's like the idea of of uh, a conditioner strip after the regenerator so that you can increase your number of outlets um it's not coming without a cost but then the question is well how much does that affect different components you can imagine right. with a power amplifier a lower uh, higher yeah. impedance is really detrimental but yeah. does it matter but for a DAC or a for a DAC it's not as, as important so in which I would do say is you get the benefit of filtering then for the DAC and the streamer right so you yeah. get to filter some RF so so just one one quick uh, nuance there is that uh, if you're never put a conditioner after a regenerator for a power amplifier never ever 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 do that um, you want to go directly out of the the uh, the regen for that the power. That's scary. Amp. It's not going to blow up. It's just not going to be ideal. Yeah, it's, it's going to take the legs yeah, out it's of the, not, the, what the regenerator. You're does. you're just undoing what the regenerator yeah. does. Yeah. The 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 largest see the, the noise is not uh, when it comes to a power amplifier. The noise is is really not what is the most important. It's very important, but it's not the most important. It's the impedance. It's the source impedance, and so. That's what a regen yeah. does, yeah. Um, and you know, little, uh, I'm disclaimer. I you know I'm an engineer at PS Audio. Uh, I've developed uh, the the P3 regenerator uh, using uh, uh, Bob Stather, the, uh, the the chief engineer at PS Audio's uh, a patent for for our regenerator technology. And uh, one thing I will say is that there are other regenerators on the market. Mm-hmm. There are no other regenerators on the market like the PS audio regenerators because we own the patent. Yeah. Um, and so the advantage to our technology is that, uh, is that it's 85% efficient and doesn't use one switch switch mode device. Yeah. And you've uh, been developing this product for, uh, 20, 30 years, 20, 20 years. Uh, not, not the, not this technology, but the, the regenerator, the regenerator product. Yeah. Uh, but, but what yeah. I, by that, I mean that, there's a certain level of experience and oh yes yeah industry leading kind of experience yep. that that goes into that um and so uh but so anyway but, so that's but what yeah, i find interesting answer. is that it's like b it's like these are options well you know c is something that you might want to just consider no consider, matter what no matter and keep what. the nordis and, and yeah. nordost and and then yeah. work that into the system maybe have that before the regenerator maybe have your regenerator just on your power amplifiers yeah um you know, you can play around with all those combinations. You can have uh, it before the regenerator and still, like, take advantage of the lower output impedance. Of the absolutely. absolutely. So then, then what you're doing is you're just yep. filtering high-frequency noise before it gets there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, my take on um, a lot of, like, traditional conditioners, uh, just from my perspective, from the ones that I've heard, mm-hmm. and including uh, some of the ones that we've made in the past, like the deck tat yeah, and all the that. Duet and stuff. Um, so this is, you know, uh, uh, even stuff that that we've made before that are tradi- they're traditional power conditioners. Nothing fancy about it. Not it's not something like a Niagara or something like that from uh, from AudioQuest. Um, is I actually don't prefer them a lot of times. I, I find that something weird happens to the sound. Like it, it, there's some phasiness or some weird weird effect that they have on the sound that I'm just not too not too crazy about. I, I want to be an open mind. I don't want that to be some like, you know, bold statement and a hard statement there. But it's just that I haven't had a great experience personally yet. Okay, I'm going to stay, I'm going to keep open 
my mind open and my ears open to hearing some conditioners in the, in the future. But from my experience in the past, including including some of the, uh, the the conditions that we've made in the past. I haven't been too crazy about what they've done. Yeah, I've um, the yeah, and Piazzati doesn't use doesn't make no holds barred conditioners where it's just like here we're putting all the best parts. It's mm-hmm. like it's like great science that uh, Piazzati has um, had manufactured uh, outlets for a long time. Piazzati brand outlets and really really uh, basic good science grip. Uh, good conductors, that kind of thing. So they're not trying to say, oh, these are rhodium over mm-hmm. platinum, over silver, over, you know, alpha copper. And these are not, you know, NAMAC. This is going to be all kinds of juju. You know, you can jam into these things. And they don't. So the deck tad is really just like a great, um, I don't know, bare, bare bones, I guess, uh, basic. Yeah, it, traditional. It looks very similar to that uh, and, and conditioner it, you mentioned. It was um, the Magna Hi-Fi one. And so, yeah, that verse, the outlet, I think that conditioners can be broken up into different areas. Like you have light conditioning, which I'm actually, I'm pro light conditioning, mm. which mean when I say light conditioning, I mean that it's essentially just like an RFI filter, mm. like the mm. super high frequencies, right. nothing wrong with that. You know, like if you can find these products that are, you can tell them by the size of the product, essentially. Like if it's just some little small thing that plugs into the socket or if it's built into the socket itself or, or, um, it's some small device that, that has a high current rating, like 15, you know, 15 amps, but is really small. There's not really much going on in it because they're, they're just, you know, uh, filtering high frequency information, which is great. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. No bottlenecking. Or now anything. you get into more aggressive conditioners. Um, audience, uh, uh, Shinyata, where they're obviously, they are using really high-end audio-grade parts. But yeah. the conditioning, I believe, is also a lot more um, aggressive, hmm. right? Like they're going down in frequency now. So bigger parts, bigger big inductors, because right. they need high right. inductance. Um, that's where you start getting into DCR, where you're adding impedance, even at DC. What's it at? 60 hertz? Right. Well, higher than DC. Um, uh, you know, you actually get resistance at DC, and then you have a higher impedance at at uh, at 60 hertz. So, uh, and that's the whole point. That's you, you want that because then you then you have a capacitor that shunts that to ground, and it shunts the noise. Uh, so. Uh, so, you know, I think that you could, you you can break them down and the more aggressive you become on the filter, the more you start really, uh, I think risking fine line. Yeah. You're, you're risking things. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the really light ones, the small, the small RFI stuff, I don't think that there's really any consequence to them unless they're just done really poorly or something like that. But, um, but we're mainly, I'm talking about these more aggressive products that are really kind of, um, and the deck tat was, was more aggressive than something that you just plug into the wall, of course. So, um, anyways, that's just my take. My, my personal take on it is that, um, you may want, you may just want to, uh, try a regenerator and that's just, um, you know, disclaimer you know i work for ps audio but i just think that they're great products yeah i, I mean you're talking it. to two guys who who use them both use them and both see them in the same way just this is a tool it does this thing and yeah. i've got other things that i do i've got these you know noise harvester things i've got great power cables i've got great outlets i've got you know 
there's there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, I'm a big fan of the Furotech NCF stuff. Um, every experience I've had with that. Uh, what what is that? It's it's a material that they have that they that they make a bunch of different products with. Oh, okay, um, but they make some uh, power conditioning products with this. Uh. It's more like outlets and plugs. Okay. Uh, I don't know. There's Perhaps. Not, and then some, maybe some uh, RFI. And Furtech doesn't, doesn't make like, like components, you know, they make like pieces and fuses and, mm-hmm. and elements mm-hmm. of okay, components. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They don't actually make a full product. Yeah. There's not yeah. a, right. Um, okay. I see. I see. Yeah. But, right. but it's, it, but it's elements and, and they really focus on it and there's mm-hmm. all kinds of, I mean, you know, so I products. recently installed a Furutech outlet that had the NCF technology, which stands for Nano Crystal Formula, and we'll just sweep past that just for a second. <laughs> what is Nano Crystal? I mean, I don't know. This is science. This is materials. This is stuff. So it's it's real. I just I don't know a lot about it, and I think that's mostly just uh, because that's how you properly market something like that. You just kind of have a mystique about it and a trademark. But anyway. The, the freaking outlet sounds awesome and uh and i've i've now switched it twice i i can i can really had two very strong experiences of of uh you know listening to before and after and um really solidified so i'd think about that as well jason um i replaced the iec on my amp with a Furutech NCF and that was um an improvement too but then when you get these things you're you're like well this thing is just better made than the thing it's replacing like even mm. without the the um supposed uh vibration damping and the EMI rejecting and and properties of this NCF it's like it's just good it's well it's made better better mm. contacts smarter ways of providing the grip all kinds of stuff so cool i think about that um, but both of us are going to tell you we love our regenerators they do a thing that nothing else can and so man our systems would be very different without them um so i guess the conclusion is that you should keep your nordas uh conditioners for right now um and then my recommendation would be um i don't know if you need your system doesn't appear uh, that it will need something on the level of a P10. So you can go down uh, to a smaller regen, very likely. Um, now, that's just me quickly glancing at your system. Yeah. So you want to look at the power uh, requirements. But you might be okay to, you know, if you pick up a, a, a OP5 used, or, or if you want to, um, or if you can even get into the, the P3, um, that might work. Uh, the P3 can still primes. do 300 watts, um, uh, roughly. It's a 300 VA. Um, so, uh, you know, just look into just that. thought. You know, just a thought. The and, 10 uh, does have the lowest uh, output impedance of, the, of the trio. But Always careful when we talk about, you know, our own products and stuff. I just, I, I do really believe in the power regenerators. I really have a lot of passion for them and, and um I think that you should uh, look into that. Well, what a killer uh, uh, email, what a killer system. Uh, Thanks so much for listening and for uh, emailing us, Jason. Uh, If any of you listening would like to have your question answered on the podcast, our address is hi-fi at outlook.com. And let's move on to uh, our audio tip from my coworker, Peter. 
so Peter's Peter's great. Peter um, is the repair wizard at the music room and mm, kind of yeah, uh, yeah, chief yeah. technical officer, I think, um, and uh, has an amazing ability um, to find his way through a very um, otherwise unknown piece of gear because we just see everything from every decade. Uh, quickly locate the problem wherever it is. Doesn't matter what the circuit is, and then and then figure it out. I mean, the things he's been able to fix have been incredible. Uh, but also watching him crack open something new, where it's just like there's no documentation on this. It's it's old. They don't make these anymore. But he could still kind of like just so much experience doing this. Um, but he was telling me that he had a, a, an epiphany when he was recently. Uh, trying to dial in a, a second subwoofer that he added to his listening room. And this is a new subwoofer from rel uh, T seven X. So fairly powerful compared to his, um, his other subwoofer that was in the system. But um, essentially he's going from one to two. And whenever you go from one to two, you you're entering a whole new world where you have the opportunity to do a few things to randomize these room modes or in, in the case of my system and upcoming your system, you can recognize that at certain positions of the room, there's strength at certain parts of the frequency spectrum. So you can, you can randomize and, and make more linear the full frequency spectrum by, by fine tuning that and say, you know, in, in my room, my back left subwoofer is all the way back against the wall. And I noticed that if I bring it forward three inches, I lose what it does best right there, which is super low sub bass. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the, the, the upper bass is missing. Well, I can fill that in with the second location, which is fine tuned for it's the best at the, the mid bass and, and the, uh, it, it really does add all up into a, a, um, linear package in the room base, you know? Yeah, and and coming from someone who is uh, ready to do a four subwoofer setup in a single room, I will I do want to mention the one uh, risk of multi subs, and that is is that the subs are working against each other and canceling timing phase. And so right, and so uh, it, that's just all down to setup. That's you you have to set it up right. There are going to be areas where you're going to hear cancellations where they can start working against each it's other. It's a very specific sound so, to hear. F- a phasiness in bass. It's just, it's yes. just hits you differently than phasiness in, in other areas of the sound spectrum. Yeah. But after you hear it a couple times, because, um, interestingly, my tube amp, uh, requires me to flip the phase on both subwoofers. Um, mm-hmm. because for one reason or another, but the, the ground is the, is the actual positive and it's weird. Um, but there are reasons to use that phase switch and, I've had it before where I'm just like, wow, that's wrong. And in a very unique way. And then I realize it's one sub is face flipped. Right. It's almost this, um, like hollow kind of overlay 3d, but empty aspect of yes, the base. That's a good way to put it. It's not solid. It doesn't have, the base doesn't have solidity and body to it. And yeah. And it seems to, um, have a, an emphasis at a certain area. I, I found if, if I flip the phase on, on one, and then flip the phase on the other and the, the phase on the one again. So we're just switching which ones go out of phase. Actually, it's, it sounds like a little different each time. It's just weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Peter's going through this and, uh, and he noticed, uh, it, it's a, it's a 
tough um, job really to dial in bass in a real world living room home um, that's likely got a crawl space underneath and a suspended floor. And, um, and I, I documented my struggles, uh, I'd say at the beginning of this year in those podcasts, but he found that if he uh, raised the volume on the sub that he's trying to dial in, as he's doing sweeps, as he's listening to music, you raise the volume well past the, you know, realistic, normal listening level. This isn't for listening. This is for identifying uh, and making as egregious as possible the resonances that exist. And, um, and so by increasing the amplitude, turning the sub way up, <clears throat> he can really hear where it's overloaded versus where it's just loud. Um, but it, you know, I think this plays into the Fletcher Munson curves that it's just, it's easier to, to articulate the, these frequencies when the amplitude is increased, when the volume is turned up. I also recognize that this is a pro audio thing and Peter comes from the pro audio world. When I've been EQing a mix and I know that this guitar has, um, some nastiness somewhere like a resonance, um, usually a metallic-ish resonance up top or something like that. Um, and I, if I want to notch it a little bit and it's, you know, with the EQ, I want to know two things, exactly where the center of that resonance is and what is the Q? How wide is that resonance? Mm -hmm. Because then I can make a complimentary filter and bring it down. Um, that's all, that's what you're trying to do, uh, roughly with, with subwoofers. You don't have a, a notch filter, but you have, uh, two controls volume and you have the crossover where that slope starts. And so as you're integrating into the rest of the system, you don't need that notch. You just need to do the bottom. So you, you're basically moving a notch around. Um, you can just forget about what goes above because this is a subwoofer and it doesn't need to make mid range, but you do this in pro audio. And then you told me that's a, a technique called windowing. And I do remember hearing that that's, that's what it was called from the pro audio um, days. But. Yeah. What's, what's interesting is that this same technique is, is how we do crossovers. Yeah. That when we make a crossover change, uh, you kind of want to overshoot. Okay. If I feel like I'm under, then what value is too much? Yeah. For instance. And, and it's a great, it's a great way of, of, kind of zeroing in on the ideal setting yeah yeah and it can be tough though if it's just you and and you're in there and you know you, you tend to pull pull some hair when you're trying to dial in bass especially if you have decent expectations if you have um a standard you're trying to hit man it, it can be tough well i've um I, i've uh given a ps audio shout out today i want to give another one and that is is that the the rail remote for the upper end series of oh, the, like the being able to actually control it in your listening position. Yeah, the remote's cool. Come on, like yeah. that is nice, the right? Cool. Yeah. yeah. Being able to change that, that, um, you know, the settings from your listing position on the fly, I think is, uh, that's a very uh, important, uh, feature. Yeah. It's one of the things we love about DSP that we've mentioned before. Um, yep those speakers I talked about a couple episodes ago, the audio physics Kronos, those had a really long remote, uh, that was wired. Yeah. It's, it's very important because otherwise you're do, doing a lot of moving, you move up, make a move, you move back to this. It's just so much kind of, uh, so many roadblocks in the way mentally that it can make it harder if you don't have a remote. But 
uh anyway so yeah thanks peter for that uh that tip and uh that's it for our questions question segment this week um again that email address is hi-fi at outlook.com but let's get right into our topic so i guess you could say all this started um years ago when we started going on weekly hikes um i'd been doing this for a long time just going out with my dog a lot and uh i think this is this is before i got really deep into fishing um and so yeah it's like every weekend as the weekend got closer i just started thinking about where we want to go and mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then uh and then you started wanting to come on hikes and you hadn't seen much of this area at all. And I had been doing this for a while. So I had all these spots and all these, uh, you know, I don't like crowded, um, the popular trails. So I found all, all my own like mm-hmm. things where it just like little secret gems all around here. And so, yeah, I had this whole list of places we could go. And so we just started going to these different places and, and hiking. And, um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, guess it was around here where we noticed that we are not able to not talk about audio mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're hanging out. And, uh, and so, you know, when you're in the, the quiet, I remember that was one of the first things that attracted you to, to doing this, to hiking every week. Um, because we would get ourselves way up into the mountains and, uh, e- you know, even if, there was a crazy blustery wind. What we'd do is plan a hike where we'd be going through trees and, and it's amazing how chaotic it can be up at the top of the trees and how perfectly still it can be down by the trunks. But there were some other days where it'd be just perfectly silent. Yeah. And we started realizing that there's so such benefit to having silence in your life, Mm -hmm. especially if you're, into what we're into yes which is the opposite of silence you just sometimes you need a break and it, re- it recalibrates your brain in a way and um you know i mean there's many benefits to hiking and all that but i think that the environment struck conversations that led us to think hey we should start a podcast on this because we we enjoy you know, talking about audio and we, we, uh, love our conversations and Hey man, this should be recorded. Yeah. Just thinking through stuff the way we would, um, think through it, uh, vocally, it just kind of seemed maybe it'd be interesting to, to some people. Um, I remember one hike that actually, I mean this, this happened a number of times, but we'll be on a hike. We're talking about something and then you get quiet for a little bit. And then, then after a little while you're like, I just thought of a new circuit. (laughs) <laughs> and I just thought that was so cool. I always thought that was so cool. You'd be like, what if we did this? There were a couple of times where, you know, I was tossing just totally random ideas, not knowing the possibility of them. You're like, yeah, but we could maybe do that. Um, but they're, you know, just really interesting stuff from at least our perspective. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we, we kept doing it and kept talking about it. And then um, last year, COVID hit. And, mm-hmm. uh, life changed. And I, you were just telling me about a movie called inside where a filmmaker made a whole film from inside a room. Basically yep. you have, you, you have people who want to create, who 
are encountering new restrictions mm-hmm. and turns out the human spirit, et cetera, they're, they're fine. You know, you can come up with some great stuff under, under restrictions. Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, that's kind of what we did. Um, we, we just decided to get started, mm-hmm. but one of the main issues, at least to begin with was, well, can we even have guests? Cause nobody wants to yeah. come into anybody's house. Yep. Nobody was vaccinated. Nobody mm-hmm. was, uh, all we had was testing. So you, the best you could do, and, you know, I tried a couple of times to get somebody in, um, and the best we could do is say, well, I got tested two days ago because the, the rapid test we couldn't trust. Yeah. The, and so you want the longer one. And then it's like, well, how much exposure did you have in those two days since you got the test? So never, so it was tough, but it was a, a unique environment in which, uh, our conversations became what we focused on. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so backing up just a little bit, we, we, we started this, we actually ran our first episode. Um, I believe it was, uh, a, a July, was it July 8th? Um, so this was our, this is our anniversary. 2020. Yeah. Not, not the anniversary for, for everybody listening. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, this is but the, the anniversary why. to, um, the, the very first, uh, a recording we ever did. And, and the reason why we never aired that was because, um, I told Duncan that, uh, I thought that we should just maybe record 10, you know, just for practice, just to try to get in the groove, to oversee them, to, um, understand, you know, where, what we, what we lack, like areas that we need to maybe polish up a little bit in. And, um, which was brilliant. That was a and so, plan. you know, and then also to prove out that we could even stick to a schedule of one, once, you know, one podcast a week. So, yeah. uh, so, you know, we, we, we did, we, we did uh, 10 of them, I believe before we even aired one. So, uh, you know, so we, we did our first episode that we ever recorded was, uh, July 8th, uh, 2020. And so, uh, this episode marks, one year from when we we started this project, yeah, um, and yeah, and, uh, and if anything on this podcast, we're about uh, honesty, and uh, that's it, just honesty. So, um, you know, for us to like want to do an anniversary podcast, but then wait until it's technically the right thing, and mm-hmm. I, we would lose some of the feeling of it. Yeah, this oh, is, yeah. This is yeah, our no, anniversary. This was this so was when the first we're sharing with you. So, um, but yeah, I thought that was brilliant, um, that, that you wanted to hold us, hold us back in practice, um, because on its face, it seems like a great thing to do when you start doing it. And when you actually get an hour and a half podcast down a two hour podcast down where you really like it and you were talking about great things and you made great points and then you have to just bury that and not, mm-hmm. not ever use it. It was hard. It was a little hard at first. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there were some episodes where I was like, right. come on, we can, maybe we can do this. Yeah. Like, we can, we no, can no, squeeze no. that out. You know, it's like, yeah. And you were, you were absolutely right. That was the way to do it. Yep. So, um, so, you know, we, uh, we started this and, and for those that have been following, you know, thank you so much. And you've kind of understood, you know, then you, you understand like where, you know, what this podcast represents as far as the structure and what we usually do. But, um, you know, going back to your point before is that a lot of that was based around, you know, COVID restrictions as well. So one thing that we do want to change, uh, on, uh, the upcoming episodes is we want to bring guests on 
on this uh, on this podcast more often. Well, we could have done what a lot of other podcasts do, almost yeah. everybody, which is phone call. Yep, you know, which sounds like garbage, and but I, it's I, also different from a social interaction perspective. Someone on another that's line, the biggest part. It's dry. There's something dry about it. There's where when you're in person with somebody, that's yeah. what yeah. makes podcasts very magical. Is is yeah. that it is an actual true social interaction that's being recorded. Yep. And we, we feel passionate about keeping that intact. And so we don't want to do any remote um, uh, inter- interviews. We're going to be going uh, to the location. We actually have plans, yeah, to, to take this show on the road um, yep. whenever we can fit it into our schedules and do mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, and then there's uh, there's some plans that we started working on for when people are in town. And every year we have Rocky Mountain Audio Fest, so it seems like an opportunity we shouldn't miss um, to get some in-person stuff going, but, yep. but those, that's, that's our, our thought process for anybody that's wondering why we haven't done what everybody else does and just call somebody on the phone. Um, so we're, we're, uh, I don't know, there's just going to be such great things on the horizon, but, but that's, that's where we were a year ago. And actually, um, we wanted to share with you a clip from that first episode. Yeah. So we're going to, um, give, give you a little outtake from that um, from that episode here. Yeah. And, and it's, um, we were just getting started. We were just listening back to it and kind of remarking on it and stuff like that. Like, Oh, you know, I wasn't very good at this back then and that kind of thing. Um, but what was fun about this for us was it was a little bit of an unexpected moment that happened while we were doing this. Also, we were, uh, our first podcast we recorded outside. Yeah. It was, it was nice. in my backyard with, a. A hue light, like a kind of red. a purple, it or was red. it red? It was red. Red hue light, um, and and it was uh, it was uh, during the evening after the sun went down. And no bugs. Things were quiet. It was and awesome. um, and uh, here you go. I think you'll yep. you'll Without enjoy this. Without further ado, here's our first podcast. BBC yep. studies, you know, their sound panel absorber studies are just wonderful. If you've never checked those out. Um, some fireworks. Oh, that's there. some fireworks that <laughs> came through. Probably, <laughs> it's July July eighth, is it? So July eighth. You still got those birthday. few few yeah. that you forgot about. You know, that's oh, I found one in my truck today. Oh, did you? <laughs> and we were like, well, first of all, I was glad that the insane heat of the day didn't you know set it off <laughs> or whatever. I don't know, but <laughs> now you know something with that is you really have to watch. Uh, you know, your hearing. Oh my uh, goodness! Fireworks and, Let's talk uh, about that. Yeah, and and you know this is something we we every time you know I, I I talk to somebody who's who's younger about this. It's it's you know protect your hearing, you know, yeah. and and uh, when you go to shows, if you know this COVID thing uh, gets better and, and we start shows having again. shows again, um, you know, bring earplugs. Like you know, if you have to spend yes. forty bucks on Amazon on some nicer earplugs with straps on them that go around your, your neck or something like that, do it. It'll be the best $40 you've ever spent for yourself, you well, know, cause, uh, I think that a lot of people are, are, they care about their hearing, like even non-audiophiles, they yeah. care about their hearing once they've lost it or something mm, or yes. once they get tinnitus right. or something like Start that. Start hearing the ringing but, and stuff. But, um, but they they just don't know that what they're being exposed to is bad. Yeah, what what is too loud? Yeah, what's what, going to actually like cause damage? Yeah, yeah. and and the answer is a, at a lot of 
you know, smaller shows, a lot of like enclosed areas where there's a hundred people in the room or whether there's 50 people in the room, those smaller areas sometimes get pumped with really high SPL. Oh, sure. I've been to shows where the, 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 the live sound guys can't hear you and you're right next to them and they're like, what, what? And it's just, you're like, whoa, dude, yeah. like you can't hear it all. Can you? Um, and they don't, they don't care. And they, they do, they buy the system that they can afford. They know that bigness is, well, going back to the fifties, jukebox owners noticed that, you know, the louder songs got played more and this is the birth of the loudness wars. But this just talks about a psychoacoustic thing where we like things that are a little bit louder. And so, you know, people have run with that. And the, the, the Watts uh, race of the eighties where you have, you know, how many Watts does that have? Does that have a thousand Watts, you know, whatever, you know, nobody knows anything about, about what it's producing, but it goes to 11, baby. Yeah. 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 Crank it up to 11. So, um, the fact of the matter is if it is making you wince, if it, if it hurts, our bodies have a pain threshold for sound. And that's one of our first indications. And, you know, alcohol can make you help you, ignore that um the excitement of being at the shows looking at your friends and seeing them not react to how loud it is will you know so sociological things will cause you to not do it or not uh not seek it um but the fact is today there are better uh earplugs than ever they're cheaper than ever you don't have to get the the orange ones that are still available in every drugstore and every every supermarket or whatever um, that that really tend to ruin the sound. When I only have those, I kind of I kind of have them in in just the opening of my ear, and I. I... And uh, yeah, so uh, that that uh, firework that went off in the background there uh, actually sparked this conversation around uh, hearing Spook, protection. Spooked us a little bit. <laughs> I came and out of nowhere. S- sparked the conversation on um, on yeah. hearing protection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, it's, Which uh, is a topic uh, we've, we've touched on a couple of times and, and since it's, it's all, I will never tire of talking about, uh, hearing damage and yep. protecting your hair. Yeah. And, and we had mentioned in that part, that segment that, uh, you know, during COVID it was less of a concern cause you weren't going to concerts and right. if now that, um, again. and this is going, you know, country by country, they're, uh, going at different paces here, but in the U.S., we are uh, a lot of concerts are starting to uh, to to uh, start start back up here. So you know, as a reminder, you know, like uh, uh, please, you know, uh, buy ear- good earplugs that are comfortable for you, and and be careful out there and have fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it was an interesting, uh, you know, now looking back at it, seeing how different the times were back then and yeah well it's it's um indicative of the way we approach this which is a fairly unrehearsed reactionary kind of loose honest conversation you know there's so little outlining that we do so little there's absolutely no scripting there's but very little outlining um and i think that's what's so uh, special about podcasts is that loose that loose aspect to it well we found through doing this for a year that that you do need to have some chops to kind of keep the conversation moving and mm-hmm. and to kind of you know for me one thing that i think that i have grown into over time with this podcast is um not getting bogged down in my mental tangents being able to hold on to what i was my main point and then kind of go 
into a tangential thing, but come back to that main point, you know, like, um, yeah, it's helped me organize better. And as I mentioned before, now I'm doing YouTube videos. I don't think I could have done that before this podcast. So very cool, you know, the way this has impacted us. And then another element, um, that if, and especially if you're just, uh, just starting to listen to us, um, we, uh, another element to this is, is documenting our own projects and our systems as well. So we've opened up a section on our website that where you can see, um, you know, somewhat up to date photographs of yeah, our, every week. It uh, changes. It, <laughs> that's, the, that's the tough part is we need to yeah. do this every week. Yeah. Um, so, and I keep saying this every week, but I'm in earnest, I'm going to take pictures when I get home and, and, uh, why don't you do the same and, oh boy. And we'll do construction this. zone is basically what the answer to that. No, okay. I'll do the, the den too. I'll, I'll how about need, that. The den the is den more system. of a, it's more of a system right now. Yeah. yeah. Both of my systems are different than what they were before. And the same with you, but that's partly why we do this thing. Like, it's not just, Oh, these are interesting conversations. Yeah. Everybody has interesting conversations, but in the time since we started this, for example, you released a product that ended up being named as the um, stereophile analog component of the year. Um, you're, you're a very busy designer. I'm, uh, touching and testing and improving, uh, hi-fi gear from across the industry, as well as I'm doing all kinds of writing and I'm doing YouTube appearing in videos. And so, um, you know, there's some element to which, uh, you know, we are kind of like we should be doing this kind of thing because we're crazy ADHD about our systems or whatever. We're just always changing, always trying things, always listening. Um, so I feel like we're at a point in our lives where, where we can offer all of this experimentation and kind of mm-hmm. let's go full bore into the audio hobby and always think about audio and that kind of thing for, uh, for everybody else. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think just to expand on that, it's that, you know, while, audio is what I do for a living. Audio is still my primary hobby and my joy. Um, and you know, I was talking to somebody recently, uh, who had come over to the house and they were an audio, they weren't an audiophile. And I was just trying to describe to them how big of a deal for me it is when the main listing room is not making music that that's, you know, the, the fire in my house, the campfire, mm-hmm. uh, on my campground is not lit, you know, it's not right. turned on, you know, the things are not right when I don't, I need music breathing through the house to be happy. It's a big, and I, I think that uh, a lot of people listening right now, that's how you feel about your system. You know, that's why we're into this is that it brings you joy. Like no matter what happens in your life, like how bad your day was, how, how, how something in um, a relationship in your life or, or something at work happened that is, is, it was negative that you can always go back to your system and turn it on and reset. And, and, and if it gives you joy, that's really what it's about. But um, think about it. Like, you know, like if you uh, build a, a house and in uh, landscape, a backyard to be this, kind of inclusive little paradise and you put a pool in there. Right. Um, I mean, I'd say there are situations where people who build that would, would not enjoy it. But I'd say that for the most part, if you're going to the effort of creating some kind of great hangout space like that, you're going to start inviting it into your life. And, you know, over a year, 
it's going to massively color your life because that's your happy place, right? So you go there and, and feel a certain way. That's how we feel in front of our systems. The it's, it's an organ over here in this room and I go and sit in front of it to feel a certain way and, and explore. Mm-hmm. And it, what a cool thing to have that indoors and, and to have a, Oh, absolutely. But anyway, so yeah. So we're, yeah, we're you both, know, obviously junkies here junkies and we're we're just like we're just like you you know we're just like you in the sense that you know it's a passion it's what we're interested in and the um and this podcast represents you know an extension of not not the career it's an extension of of our hobbies that's the way i view it um and it's just for us to to have fun and to share fun and, uh, and that's why we, we spend so much time every week answering questions because we want to interact with, with, um, other hobbyists, other people who, you know, we, we, we share a lot in common with. Um, and so that's, that's really the reason why I said all that is that, you know, that's the primary reason of starting up this podcast for us was that we're just, we're just junkies. We just can't stop talking about audio. So, you know, you get off the clock at work and, you know, I'm not talking about, work necessarily and Duncan's not necessarily talking about work to me we're just talking about audio yeah oh what's going on in your system or or maybe it's oh I heard this new you know this new component that blew my mind the other day and it was beautiful and uh, tell me more about that and you know so we learn off each other and and uh, we've learned a lot from emails you know from people sending us recommendations or their views on stuff, um, their experiences with components. So it's also been educational too for us. Yeah. And I, you know, we've got the podcast, there's different segments of it. Um, when it comes to the al- recommendations, um, we pick album recommendations based on what moves us and that's appropriate because it's our podcast, I guess. And, um, <clears throat> And it's it's great seeing the album recommendations come from listeners because it just underscores the the just range of tastes and mm-hmm. um, styles and music so subjective and that kind of thing. And so, you know, sometimes I think like, man, are our recommendations really that appealing to that many people? Um, but you could say the same thing about our discussions about audio. Are they are they worth putting out there? And the answer is, um, both of us bring a pretty experienced and extensive background into this hobby and, and, uh, and me, my musical side of my background, which I've shared before, my dad's a composer, conductor and director, and currently a professor and all that stuff. Um, very big music guy. And so there's, um, there's some, uh, um, experience, I guess, when it comes to what type of stuff, um, you know, gets us going. So I, I, don't I think that there are some requirements that we pick the albums around. I mean, one of those is yeah. that, what are those? Yeah. Well, one of the requirements that I think does limit some of the choices is that we don't, we don't recommend necessarily like bad recordings, it's just it's just not something that we do. Like I, I would recommend if you talk to me, you know, on, on email or, or or through the phone or or in person at a show or something, I can talk to you about um, mediocre or bad recordings all day that I love the music to. I listen to those all the time, and uh, you know, I don't I'm, I don't just listen to music because it's really well recorded. But one of the requirements 
for recommending music on uh, the Hi-Fi podcast is to also recommend um, great music content that has been captured correctly. That was so. That was one of the requirements for our our, our album picks. And then the second one is it can't be musically boring. Yeah, it, which is as we've described before and explained before, and this is not news to anybody that's an audiophile, is that it's kind of hard to find. Yeah, to there's some uh, not so great stuff. There's you know, stuff like that's, audiophile stuff that's just kind of you know it's it's not great. There's stuff that I but, find uh, like aggressively challenging that force just really force the listener to get out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. There's stuff that I find extremely musically boring where a technical musician will say, okay, they repeated the same thing over and over again, or they're not, there's three chords in this, or, you know, the changes are not very, very brainy. Um, yeah, none of that stuff's going to make it. So there, yeah. there, I guess, yeah, just bringing this up and talking about, you know, our, our thought process. There's a lot mm-hmm. that goes into what we might choose. And, and on the, on the opposite side of that, you know, I always feel that, uh, when I go to shows that I'm, uh, let down by, um, you know, how narrow the selection is, uh, as far as like song selections that you hear, mm. you know? And, um, I remember this one time I was in, I was at an Expona, which is a audio show that's held in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this, this guy comes up to me, um, and he goes, um, Hey man, like how you, how about playing some Metallica? And, you know, a part of me just, uh, like just kind of melted inside because I, I, um, was a, like a huge metal head, uh, uh, throughout my uh, late teens and early twenties. And I still enjoy, um, some metal, like, like, uh, Opeth is my favorite metal band, and, um, I like and, and, as leaders. They're great. Yeah. They're great. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I just felt so bad when he said that because, um, you know, I wish I could, you know, throw on master puppets or something for him, you know, like, because it's, 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 there should be no, um, you know, selection process or, or th- there's no qualifications when it comes to music. It's all about what you enjoy and what makes you happy. And, uh, and I do wish that at audio shows, it was a little bit more open. Um, it's of course the here's as a manufacturer, the concern is this, is that if you put master of puppets on that, you know, the room just like gets empty. The room's going to empty except for that uh, one guy. Yeah. Um, and so that's the problem is that it is a, um, for many people that is a little bit more of a radical form of music. So yeah. it's, it's difficult in a show environment. That's the, that's the reason, but I really, I, I, I feel bad about that. I yeah, hate that. It. I, I it. hate it. I wish we could, like, I wish we could play albums like, um, you know, rest in peace by Megadeth or uh, followed by, you know, um, like a Ken, Kendrick Lamar song and and you know I I wish it could be a little bit more open so I also see that side of stuff where um I wish there was a little bit more um uh openness to like different types of genres and at audio shows and at, at audio shows well, as well as a conversation as well as conversation between audiophiles because just being an audiophile doesn't mean that you're just playing Dinah Krall and, um, you know, uh, Keith don't go and stuff like that, you know, all the you know time, what so. I see there is like, if you open it up more then it, it becomes a little harder for folks to relate to each other in the same way. 
I feel like there's a some little bit of a a lockstep element that you get into so that you can meet on these on the same level uh, and about other things. So it's somebody who likes something but then starts looking into this Diana crawl because never heard of it before and everybody else is listening to it and you get you understand when you hear all the textures and the mm-hmm. dynamics you're mm-hmm. like wow okay so I'll just listen to this when I want to experience that then I'll go over to my other music but as we've explained your I don't know your tastes are going to change as you change as an audio file I don't know yeah. we could we could get back into our we had an episode about uh the changing of taste as an audio file uh, Mm. But it's it's a crazy topic of of um, trying to gather around music, and so mm-hmm. I don't know. We've described all the process, but it's still it's if something if the, an album sounds right, it, it hits us. And you mm-hmm. and I, you and I, if it hits us, we're like, okay, bring it to the other person. We have to do this, yeah, and we'll do it. Yeah, and so that's what that section on our website really represents. It's it's uh, uh, Duncan and I's like you know personal. Um, collection of of some of our uh, top musical and recording right. content you um, know yeah under all um, those. and then and then yeah. expanding on uh, some of the future ideas i do want to get into um some record reviews where we review um pressing quality of new so releases yeah uh so that's you know for those who aren't into analog unfortunately that is one of the variables with analog as well is that some pressings aren't very good some pressings are unbelievable so um i, w- I would like to get into a few pressing reviews uh um that is like kind of a separate recommendation uh you know maybe follow some of um acoustic sounds like library and catalog that they come out with and that kind of stuff, you know, maybe some very high quality pressings and, and do some reviews on, on those for you guys. Yeah. Just like the recommended albums, this stuff's out there for people to discover. Um, it just takes someone who's into it, invested in it and, and willing to go back and report. So, you know, I've described my process of listening to almost all jazz releases that just come out and mm-hmm. wading through a lot, discovering something unique and, and useful. And that's, and I want to bring it here because, uh, it cuts out all that work for folks that, that don't have the time to do all that. It's no mm-hmm. sweat off my back. Cause I'm testing gear all day. I need to listen to music. So I might as well explore the new stuff. Sounds tough. That type of thing. Yeah, it is tough. <laughs> but for you to like go through pressings and be able to rate them, it's, it's just a valuable thing. So yeah, I, I, I love yeah, that. So idea. that is something that we want to expand on in the, in the future. Yeah. All right. But, so, uh, but talking enough, about that, that's enough blabbing about us ta- talking about the, Speaking you know, of, the, the, the album of the week. I said, I think last week, I think I said topic of the week <laughs> while well, you said album of the week. That was a, <laughs> I said mine loud enough that I don't think it was I, I told, uh, I told Duncan, I was like, maybe we should like take that out of there. He's like, no, that's just the beauty. That's the beauty in podcast. Yeah, man, I was like, yeah, loose. you're right. You sold me on that. There's a lot of but stuff I, that, <laughs> that I would say in the past, you know, 50 episodes that I would want to take out little phrases, but it's just like, eh, I felt like a little bit why? of a dummy at the time, but yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so, all right, so what's yeah. our album this week? Um, I'm pulling it up. I know what it is. You finally came around. 
I finally ah, talked yes. you into it. See, I would have to read it. So you, you, um, you, you, you can present it. Here. Yeah, this is uh, an artist that I actually mentioned a couple podcasts ago, and I mentioned it early in the podcast. I didn't. We don't. We didn't have the name of it on the website, so it's actually kind of hard to figure out unless you know exactly how to spell it. Um, and so, um, I wanted to just mention it cause I was really loving this album, but I didn't think that it would end up being the album of the week. Cause, um, I thought you had given it enough time and, and it really just didn't resonate with you like it did with me, but I was wrong about that. Um, it turned out you just needed some chances to listen and in the right setting. Yeah, just some time and some time to just process it. Uh, as far as uh, take some time and, and listen through it, but I, oh boy, it's beauty. I love it. So the artist's name is Aruj Aftab, and uh, and it's just this young lady with a voice that's on stinking believable. Mm-hmm. Um, the album is called Vulture Prince. And, um, Aruj is of Pakistani origin, um, but she lives in Brooklyn and, uh, this is her second album and, uh, just stinking incredible opens with, um, wonderful harp, uh, and you start getting the sense of space of the recording at first, Mm -hmm. but it's not until her voice comes in Mm. that, that your whole perspective is realigned. You're just like it's it's um we mentioned it recently but it's a, a little bit of that direct to disc final type of dynamics when her voice comes out yeah where yeah. it's just out of the darkness and it came mm-hmm. out of nowhere and it's mm-hmm. just full and and um nuanced and beautiful and that's before you start talking about not just her ability to sing but her ability with these um cultural vocal affectations that come from uh, the pakistani culture of singing that mm-hmm. are incredible they're very impressive just little grace notes here and there yeah and the the ambience of everything that goes on uh, uh cultivates a a mood yes and oh, the uh, mood <clears throat> carries throughout the whole thing it, it changes slightly but it's a journey that's that's it this is one of those clear beginning to end listens i actually um this past week i went out to the park or um over lunch and uh kind of just like sat down on a towel and and put put my um put my headphones on and listened to this album and stared at the clouds and and, and it just right. it just like made me some parts of the album just it, it made me tear up and stuff it's just so Sounds beautiful right. so beautiful you know and that's that kind of the vibe of this album um the recording is uh, impeccable and the music content is uh wonderful and that qualifies it for the an album of the week so yep. highly recommend it we love this album um uh pitchfork does too it's it's named it one of the best new albums of 2021 um yeah so check that out uh we're gonna have that on the website um and our website by the way is www.thehifipodcast.net um but with that this has been our one-year anniversary show of the Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. We couldn't be more thrilled uh, that y'all are not just listening, but uh, very supportive and enjoying it. Um, we've gotten a lot of kudos emails from folks just expressing how much they enjoy it, and so that just feeds the fire and keeps us uh, wanting to, to do all this 
kind of work to yep. to bring this here because we just have so much fun with it. Yeah. But thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Thank you. I'm Duncan. I'm Darren. And we'll catch you next week. All right. See you. Bye. The Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan is produced by Darren Myers and Duncan Taylor. And it's copyright 2020 of Slope Productions. The intro and outro music is provided by Denver's Color Red Studios and features the song Bangs by the band Many Colors. <laughs>